This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, it's Chelsea Bush here with John Halloran to talk about the NWSL final coming up on Sunday, the Chicago Red Stars at host and defending champions, North Carolina Courage. And I say that because Paul Riley has made a little noise by saying once again that the Courage are the underdogs. Do you think that's true in, in any way, shape, or form, John? I do not. Uh, you know, three NWSL Shields, two championships, the defending champions, Playing at home, number one seed, North Carolina Courage are the definitive favorites in this match. For sure. And then that's not even, you know, saying anything about how Chicago's actually never been to the final before. Although I, I agree with the North Carolina is probably the favorite. I don't think I, I'd go so far as to say that if Chicago wins, it will be an upset. I think these are the uh, the top two teams in this league right now. And then for a while now, I think obviously they're one and two seeds. So there's kind of a reason they both made it this far. They both have a lot of momentum going on. But do you think that, that Chicago has taken any sort of uh, motivation from North Carolina trying to kind of say they're the underdogs? I don't. Um, and I, you know, I had a conversation with Roy Dames last week, head coach of Chicago. And he, we, I don't remember what we were talking about, but it was something that had come out of Portland. And he said, you know, this would make good bulletin board material if my team was into that. And I think that they just have a certain attitude within the team that isn't really affected by what people outside of the team are saying. So I don't think that this is going to change the, the way that they approach the game mentally at all. OK, so let's let's talk tactical matchups for a little bit, because I don't think and I, I said this in um, I believe it was the Equalizer podcast last week that. I don't think either play team played their best match in the semifinal. I think there were stretches where Chicago, if Portland had been playing better, Chicago would have let them back in the game. Mm -hmm. I think that um, kudos a little bit to the rain against North Carolina, but I think that North Carolina wasn't as, as clinical as they could be and seemed to just be content to send in crosses and hope something came of that. And it just really honestly took a penalty and then some extra time to get things kicked off. So um, I'll start with Chicago. I know that there was discussion from Rory this week about how he's considered or hasn't been sure if he's going to play Julie Ertz in the midfield and on the back line, which surprises me because I think you can draw a, a definitive point to their their lat, their most recent run of success and their, their momentum they have going into this game to having Julie Ertz and Tierna Davidson on that back line, providing a little bit of continuity, but being able to play out. And I wonder if he just thinks that he needs Ertz in that midfield to stop um, Crystal Dunn and Dabinia from getting in that half space. 
Yeah, and I, I took it as a bit of gamesmanship. I don't think he's seriously considering it for the exact same reason you mentioned, was that when they lost to Portland back in August, they changed the back line. They dropped Tierna Davidson and Julie Ertz in to be the center back combination with Casey Short and Sarah Gordon uh, as the outside backs. They haven't lost since. I cannot imagine him fiddling with that uh, at this point. He did. He did say um, a bit unprompted on Sunday after they beat Portland that he was considering starting Katie Naughton, which would imply that he was already thinking that Ertz might move into the midfield. But again, I don't know if that was just gamesmanship on his part, if maybe he's trying to make North Carolina think he'll try and do something. Um, But I just can't imagine him gambling that heavily when his team is playing as well as they are right now. Yeah, and my question is, if you start Katie Naughton, what, who gets dropped? Do you, if you push Ertz into the midfield, does that take Colaprico out of the, the lineup, or does that push her higher up? Do you leave Ertz on the back line, play her next to Naughton, and push Tierna Davidson out wide, and then bench Sarah Gordon, who's probably could take a most improved award this season if there was some? Like, I don't, I just, I, I don't see where he could fit that in. No offense to Katie Naughton, but things have been working really well. Yeah, and there was there was a moment. I can't remember exactly which game it was that they tried to match North Carolina's box. Um, and I didn't think that that worked particularly well. You know, I don't know why you would try to match North Carolina in something that they play week in and week out. And that's they, they did that at one point this season. And I just don't think you're going to beat North Carolina at their own game. I think you have to play your game, you know, and maybe maybe do a few things differently to neutralize what their box gives them, but you can't just throw everything out or try something completely new because Chicago has been very, very settled in this hybrid 4-3-3 that they've played this year. And I think to pull your team out of that heading into a championship game um, would be just a massive gamble. The flip side of this is that we did see Washington back in, I think it was 2016, completely change things up and almost win that game uh, against the, what, what was then the Western New York Flash. Um, so, you know, maybe, but boy, would that be, that would take a lot of guts and uh, maybe a, a, a touch of craziness to, to pull something <laughs> radical like yeah. that. Yeah. Now, uh, we saw the rain, think, took what I thought was a very effective approach against North Carolina, and they kind of, kind of sat back and they – um, played just very compact defensively and just said, hey, yeah, send in your crosses. We can handle those. And it worked. They weren't doing much down the middle. Um, I think the downside for the Reigns, they didn't have the personnel to really exploit them on the break. And then by the time extra time came along, they, they were just wiped out. Just it couldn't keep up. And, you know, North Carolina, you let them get one goal. You've just opened the floodgates. Um, you think there's any chance that we could see Chicago play a little bit more defensively minded or are you just they've got their game plan and that's that's who they are and that's how they're going to play? No, I think it's possible. I think actually Houston is probably the team that offered that blueprint um, in that what is now kind of that infamous game where uh, Merritt Matthias got hurt. But Houston had sat in a very, very deep block for most of that game. And I think that's probably the blueprint that Rain FC took heading into that game. But There's a couple of caveats that we have to remember. One was that Casey Murphy had an unbelievable game. 
if she doesn't have that game, it might be three, four, nothing. And if North Carolina hits their shots a little bit more accurately, that game is three, four, nothing. So to invite that amount of pressure in, um, you know, could be suicidal. And the other thing is, is how much of it is a choice to sit back and how much of it is just North Carolina doing their thing for center midfielders, controlling the pace um, of the game. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And one, honestly, I hadn't considered is the sort of North Carolina dictating that out of their opponents. So that's actually a good segue to kind of now start talking about North Carolina and a little bit of what we're going to see from them um, tactically, formationally. I and mean, obviously we're going to see the box. And I think, I, I feel like a pretty good certainty we'll probably see the same lineup. McCall Zerboni, you know, on the bench, that's just kind of where he's settled on based on the form of, of who's on the field. I don't think you can argue with that. I think maybe the only change is, is I still wonder if Kristen Hamilton is is maybe being a little bit more clinical than Lynn Williams this year, although I think that the people probably wouldn't like that. I know Lynn Williams has put up a lot of numbers, but I just the efficiency is just not kind of there for me, and I, I like the idea of either Lynn Williams or Kristen Hamilton partnering with Jess McDonald. So I think those Williams and Hamilton play a little bit more similarly, whereas I think McDonald offers better um, work with her back to goal and can play off to and Dunn in that center midfield. Uh, what do you, what do you think, John? Well, I think, you know, you're basically talking about that old concept of paired opposites where, you know, you take your more athletic player and put them with a more technical player, or you put your slow player with a fast player, or tall player with a short player to kind of balance out each other's strengths. But I, I 100% agree um, with this, this idea that, that North Carolina is inefficient in front of goal. And, you know, the, the beauty of their system is they create a massive amount of chances. Uh, their one potential fatal flaw is that they tend not to convert a lot of those chances. Uh, but when they are converting and when they're hitting their shots, you know, you, we, we saw what happened against Portland, um, you know, right before Portland's season kind of fell apart when North Carolina scored. I can't remember exactly. I think it was six six goals. Um, and yes, then did the, six and then did, Yeah, and then did the exact same thing, I think 6-1 to Orlando the week after that. Yep. So we, we know that North Carolina can tear it up. Um, you know, if their forwards have a good day, it can get really ugly really quick. But the flip side of that is they can have a game where they utterly dominate, where they get 20 shots or more and either don't score or only score one. And, you know, as you mentioned already, that goal that they scored in regulation came out of penalties. They did not score in the run of play through 90 minutes, despite basically living in Reigns half of the field. Yep. And uh, let's, so defensively, like, I, I don't think that North Carolina has been as strong defensively this year. I think part of that is because, McCall Zerboni hasn't been on the field as much, and when she is, she hasn't been playing as strongly. I think that she absorbed a lot of pressure from other teams, and yeah. I just think that there's so many individual players, you know, Hinkle, Ersig, Doc Kemper, who are all playing very well, but last year we're just playing, I think, to another level, and I think that there's been some some miscommunication amongst LeBay and, and Doc Kemper and Ersig in particular, and so obviously, you know, that's something that Sam Kerr loves to hear, right? So what do they do to to contain the threat that she brings and stop her from scoring 10 minutes into the game like she seems to love to do <laughs> yeah um well you know that's again this is this is one of the potential weaknesses of north carolina because they love to get those pullbacks forward 
And so if Hinkle and O'Reilly are going forward, you know, there is the potential of Ersig and Dahlkemper getting stuck back there in one-on-one situations or maybe even a three-on-two situation with Chicago's front line in transition. So obviously North Carolina needs to keep one of their sixes um, in front of those center backs to kind of protect them a little bit. And then they need to keep pressure on the ball. What you saw with Kerr getting loose on the goal that she did score against Portland was Chicago transitioned very quickly. Sarah Gordon won the ball, found Yuki Nagasato on a pass all the way across the field, and Nagasato laid in the perfect ball over the top uh, for Kerr to run onto. If there's pressure on the ball, then Nagasato can't get her head up and she can't find Kerr. So you've got to try to deny the service, and then you got to do your best to keep her in front of you. Yeah, I was just kind of going to say that is almost maybe you don't put all of your focus on, you know, hovering, you know, marking Sam Kerr very closely. Maybe it's you isolate her instead. And I think we've seen Orlando do that at one, which is odd to think of of the low strength team playing effectively. But I feel like it was Orlando at one point this season who kind of just let her play a high line, caught her offside, let her do that thing and just tried to stop the service. Um, So I think that's that would be an interesting. But I want to go back to something you said about North Carolina getting their fullbacks high, because I think that the, the two potential fullback matchups in this game are incredibly fascinating. Yeah. Um, you know, you likely have on one side, Jalen Hinkle and Casey Shorter have been the, the best two outside backs this season. Um, denying either one of them getting service in is, is probably going to be paramount. I think particularly from Hinkle, she, she sends in a lot of really good balls. They rely on that a lot. And I think that she's going to be a little bit more inclined to push up. Um, I think on the flip side is that Casey Schwartz a little bit underrated for what she can do on the offensive side of things. And I, I think has very much improved that this year. And so, and they're, they're both very fast, right? If you can get a gain on either one of them, they're probably down the home stretch. Um, and then on the other side, you have two that um, weren't originally outside backs and, and Sarah Gordon and Heather O'Reilly, both extremely fast. They're two of the fastest players in the league, maybe not quite as, as technical or quite as, as strong as their, their counterparts on the flip side. Um, but absolutely are going to, going to get up in the attack. So I just, and particularly North Carolina, I think they love to run the ball down the flanks as strong as their center midfield is. Um, Chicago, not as much, but they obviously still get, get a little bit out of them. So I think that just watching those, I, th- I think will be fascinating. Now I, I kind of said the same thing about Casey short last week and I thought she didn't have her best game. So I hope that I'm not jinxing anyone by saying that, but that's what I'm looking forward to. Well, it's got to be the most athletic fullback matchup in the entire league, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean sp- speed upon speed. Right. It should just be loads of fun. Yep. All right. Any any last thoughts going into this match before we we uh, sign off and, and get prepared for Sunday? No, I'm excited to watch it. And I, I agree with what you said. I think this is the two best teams in the league this season. So this is what a final should be. And um, I'm excited to go down there and watch it. Yeah, I agree exactly what a final should be. You know, um, I'm sure Portland fans don't agree. I'm thrilled that we're having a, a first-time uh, team in the final. I think I'm glad to see it change up a little bit. So it'll be, be fun to watch. And that's, for all of you listening, is on October 27th, Sunday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN, main channel. Make sure you tune in. I, I think this is going to be a banger of a game. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>